0: Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is a dear friend from a long time ago. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. We get to see each other now on Zoom. Dean Forbes, he is an amazing motivational speaker and now an impact coach. And I can vouch for the impact that he has made on my life in the short time that we spent together and it is such a pleasure to have him here today. Welcome, Dean.
1: Thank you so much, Lynn. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. Appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad that we've kept in touch. You came into my life at the absolute perfect time when I was literally ready to have a nervous breakdown with my (laughs) business. I was so, so unhappy, and I was in the middle of the most organized structured um, program that I was involved with at the time. It was like my last ditch effort for loving being a salon owner. I thought, you know, if I can just get more organized and I can just have more structure and more systems, it will get easier. I am here to tell you, it does not ever get easier, but what Dean and I did together, he came into my group and I went to a beautiful restaurant and we rented a separate room. We did this nice brunch. We took the staff away from the salon, which I thought was important to do some some heavy, uh, emotional internal work. Um, The staff had no idea what to expect, nor did I. Um, I am always more open to that type of work, um, but the younger staff that I had, I knew would not know what was going on and be a little uncomfortable. Um, But what was amazing is, you were able to bring things out in that short period of time. Like we got further in that short time with you than I could have gotten in the entire time that my staff was with me. And I had to get super vulnerable and very uncomfortable with those um, index cards. I could still murder you for that exercise. It was so so necessary, (laughs) but so uncomfortable. You know, most people don't like feedback of any sort because it makes you uncomfortable. But the truth of the matter is those feelings were there. That was the emotion that was the disconnect between me and my staff because they were terrified to tell me those things. So for you to say, put on this index card, I think it was like three things you love about the person and mm-hmm. three things you don't like about the person. Yeah. And it was supposed to be anonymous, but trust me, I knew exactly who, oh, yeah. who everybody was. You Never can't really know. Anonymous, right? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I'm sitting there thinking, what? I'm paying for this shit. Like, what the hell was I thinking doing this to myself? But right. in retrospect, it opened everything up where I was like, of course, That person wrote that because that's why I can't get them on the same page as I am because they are not a good fit for this culture. Like it finally, we did, you had us do our mission statement, which we had never done, which now I look back and I'm thinking, how could I have gone 17 years without one? And most people listening are like, what's that? I don't have a mission (laughs) statement. Right. So, you know, these buzzwords mission statement, um, authenticity, um, you know, impact. All of those things we've read in magazines, we've heard about, but for you to actually bring it to that person and either one-on-one or in their organization changes everything.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know what's funny is that I'm I'm coaching a a young man right now and I'm using still the same type of templates. Like he's he's doing his personal vision statement right now. That's what we are working on before I got on the phone here with you. Uh, and it's amazing how that stuff evolves, but the core of it really stays the same and how important that stuff is, because if you don't know who you are or where you want to go, how can you inspire anybody to act in any way, shape or form? Because if you're lost in all your words and actions, you're also going to be lost and they're lost on people. And if you're in charge of directing people or you have people in your charge that you have to care about and grow and motivate, it's hard to do that if you don't have a compass of your own. So a huge part of this is, is having your own compass because if you don't, and if you don't have your own compass you also can't connect uh, with the people in the situation that you can connect with to move the needle forward. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. That was, yeah. uh, that's definitely crucially important and still is uh, a very important part of the work that I do even today. And that was I, over, that was like 10 years ago. Uh, I cannot <laughs>
0: believe it was 10 years ago. I remember <laughs> walking up to you at the end of the brunch and I said, Wow. I, I just need to lay down. Like I have such a headache. This is so much, but it was so necessary and so needed to happen. And I'm not sure how this is going to turn out in the end after doing this because we were all different. We were completely different leaving that restaurant than we came. Yeah, Our relationships to each other. Um, my relationship as a leader and a boss versus a um Co worker and friend. I was always trying to be everybody's friend. friend. And that was always my biggest hurdle with trying to be a, an authority figure, but also go out and have drinks and have fun and, mm-hmm. you know, be able to be myself and then not be taken seriously when I had to say, you're late, you're not, you know, you're coming in out of dress code. All those mm-hmm. things start to get blurred um so it was it was definitely I wish that I had met you sooner by the time I brought you in I was so over the entire thing that even with all of the strides that you made in the communication and we all really felt like we were more connected afterwards even after doing that so that was 10 years ago and then shortly after that I started to take the steps it's been about 7 years now that i shifted into educator role versus salon owner role i did it as i was still owning the salon but i kept feeling myself more and more pulled into education and having less and less passion for the leadership piece and it started to be to the point where i was doing a disservice to my staff by staying. You know, you and I, before we hit record, we were talking about making major leaps that make no sense to anyone but us. We have a lot in common that way because when people look at the decisions that I continue to make and have made, they think that I have a screw loose in my head. But every time I make that leap, I'm that much happier than I was before. And in the end, Dean, whether your friends or your family or my friends and family agree with my decisions, they're not me and they don't have to live my life 24 seven and right. know that gut feeling of when you're on the right path. No one yeah. can know that or decide that for you.
1: Bless you, That compass rests with just you alone. And uh, the, the interesting thing about the kind of programs that I do and the coaching that I do is I often tell people in the beginning that it's going to be necessary for you to go through this process. And When you go through this process, the decision you make at the end of it whether it's to continue down the path that you are going or to completely shift gears is going to be the right one for you because you're going to be more aware. You're going to be much more connected to you know, that thing inside of you that burns inside your veil that makes you get up every single day. And when you're more connected to that, then you can make decisions that are simple, even though they're hard. But you can make a simple decision and it changes the trajectory of your life because who knows, at the end of the day, maybe being a salon owner had you so dispassionate that you couldn't connect at the level you needed connected to lead people. Maybe the education role was the role you needed to be in in order for you to connect at the level you need to connect and have the kind of you know, authority and credibility that you needed to have to actually serve the people that you're actually called to serve. Maybe they weren't salon professionals, but maybe they were beauty professionals on a whole other level. And now here you are in the education role that you're loving and continue to evolve Uh, on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. So that's an incredible thing to come out of that. And I've had so many different clients who come out of programs or coaching with me that made decisions that they never thought they would make. You know, I have clients who started by saying, I don't ever wanna own another salon. Then they come out of coaching with me and all of a sudden they own two, three salons. I mean, and I have a client right now who, when I met her, she said, this is it, one and done. And now she has two other salons uh, with her. I had another one who said, first of all, she would never get married or have a kid uh, or open another salon. And she did all those things after we were done. She she got married to a guy that already had kids, got pregnant and opened another salon while she was pregnant. So you just don't know where it's going to take you. But the truth is that if it feels real and true to you and that's your true north, you got to go for it because that's where you're going to thrive the most. And I think that's incredible.
0: What makes me sad the most is I've met people like you all along my journey that have helped me get to a place of confidence in trusting my inner Mm -hmm. being and wisdom and gut checks and all of that and going with it. No matter how bizarre the decision sounds, I am 100% ready to dive in because I know it always works out. But there's so many people, and especially right now with what's going on in the world and how much the salon industry has been so hugely impacted every day. I see another handful of people saying, that's it. I'm out. I'm getting a job in a doctor's office. I want benefits. I want guaranteed pay. I'm tired of chasing down clients. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I'm thinking, had they met you or someone like you, like met a coach that can Mm -hmm. show them how to do it smarter and better and different. Sometimes we get into such a funk, you know, like I said, when I met you, I was just like, you could have told me anything. You could have, you know, told me that you would run my salon for me. And I'd be like, I still don't want it. Like I knew that I was so done that there was no turning back, but I think doing those exercises and doing that coaching even though it probably wasn't the answer. Like, I remember having Pat and you in my office and you both were looking at each other like, oh, this bitch is crazy. Cause I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I still don't want it. <laughs> like even after all of that, but at least I knew that I exhausted. Like it, wa- it was me and it wasn't the business. You know what right. I mean? I kept right. thinking, is it? Is it just me? Why do I feel like I'm the only one that's not happy here? Everybody was happy and still are happy. They're right. all- thriving without me because they all had everything you know all the education the stuff that i loved giving to them i had already given them everything that i could give so it makes sense now but at the time you're like what is wrong with me i have this successful salon and i'm running from it
1: well think about the leadership quality that it took to actually make such a decision though to actually step away from something and allow other people to thrive because you couldn't serve them anymore to help them thrive beyond where they were then I mean, that's in and of itself is a huge decision and that you should you, know, you shouldn't be patted on the back for making that decision and standing by it, even though you had people like me and Pat in your office who were encouraging you that you can do it. Uh, at the end of the day, I hope that the encouragement for me was really just, you need to do what feels true to you, right? And at the end of the day, I have to accept whatever that is. So I think that that's an incredible result in and of itself, that I don't want your listeners to actually miss that window. So it's the same as if when you hear people saying, I said, I'm done this whole COVID thing or whatever is going on, and they're going to shift and go to a doctor's office. I would say to anyone listening right now, all, all the beauty professionals listening right now, consider the reason behind the decision that you're making. Because if the only reason you're making that decision is because it's hard right now, You're doing yourself and everybody else that you could possibly touch a huge disservice, not just from from an income standpoint, because by the way, you guys should know, I've created dozens and dozens of multiple six-figure beauty professionals in this industry. So income isn't your problem in this industry. I guarantee you that, okay? Uh, Because I can point to a a few dozen uh, stylists that have come through my coaching who will now make over six figures a year in the salon. So consider the reason you're making that decision. So income's off the table. Do you not have the passion for it anymore? You never had it. You just realized that this is not for you. Okay, great, that sounds good. Find out what you're passionate about. But if you're only gonna do this because it's hard right now, then you're not the person that I thought you were. And you're not the person that the industry actually deserves to have in it because you are gonna make it really bad for the people who truly wanna be in this industry. And here's the deal my craft was honed inside the beauty industry therefore i have a lot of reverence for every single beauty professional on the planet i mean it doesn't matter you know like what other companies or people i coach and train i will always always come back and serve the beauty industry in every way that i can because i have reverence for it because you know the fact that you get to touch your client so personally means everything and you're still number three on the list of a woman's hierarchy of needs. And that's after food and shelter, you know, you, you know, beauty, beauty's is number three. So the craft isn't going anywhere. Income is not the issue. Uh, and if you have a passion for it, then really consider the reason why you would ever think about stepping away. And if the only reason you can come up with is that it's hard right now, it's not good enough. It's I love enough.
0: that. And it's just an excuse. Like I, I often hear the excuse, well, where I live, I can't charge that. And I say, no, that's not true. It doesn't matter where you live. If your skill level is above average and you're doing work that other people in the area are not doing well, you can charge more. It doesn't matter if you're on a fourth floor with no sign in the middle of nowhere or you know, right on Madison Avenue in New York City. It's your work speaks for itself. And a lot of people use that as a crutch, you know, that Oh, is- I started too late in the industry or, um, you know, Oh, I work at a chain salon and we don't get that kind of education. It's like now with what I do for a living, I mean, virtual education you can be on your phone anywhere. There's really no excuse to get to that next level as far that, as your That, education
1: that excuse goes. Right there is, it doesn't have any weight anyway, Elaine. And that, look, go talk to, Karen uh, McDonald in Ridgway, Pennsylvania. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> Ridgway, Pennsylvania is in is in the middle of nowhere. It's not like where your salon used to be. And uh, she has a two million dollar salon. Uh, she took to the coaching so well, uh, became the leader she wanted to be. Then she got diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Mm. Had to be away from the salon for two years for treatment and everything else. And they never missed a beat. In fact, they grew by thirty eight percent, and now they're like a two point something million dollar salon. Uh, and that's in Ridgway, Pennsylvania, where like you know, there's nothing out there. Now, take the salon that my lady and I used to run. That we just sold during COVID by, for a profit. We sold that salon for a profit during COVID last uh, October. But the six-figure stylist that bought that salon, we're in Naples, Florida, which is one of the richest cities in the United States, and she was scared to raise her prices when I told her that she needed to raise her prices. This is Naples, okay, where nobody cares about the money that they're spending that much, as people would say. And she was scared to death of raising her prices, even though she brought the value. Now, I want you to understand that this is a stylist that does a lot of short haircuts. And she does it in 15 minutes and charges $120 per haircut, for 15 minutes of work. But when I met her, she was charging, I think, like 90. And I told her that, uh, right off the bat, in, based on what's going on right now uh, and how busy you are, we need to take a $20 increase across the board. She said, what do you mean? Just raise, just, just a $20 increase? I said, no, no, no. $20 on every basic every service. service that you do. Yeah. So $20 on your single process color, $20 on your highlight, $20 on your haircut, boom, end of story, done. And she was, for lack of a better term, sh- shitting bricks, but nobody left her, not one person. The one person that actually complained and demanded to speak to the owner, I got on the phone with her and she asked me, why do I think it's okay for Brynn to raise her price? To, I said, well, you know, she's earned that promotion. And I said, based on the demand on her time, these, these prices that she's able to command." And I said, I'll be more than happy to put you with Brynn's protege who she trained, Stella, who was a level three. Uh, and she was like, no, 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 only Brin can do my hair. Conversation's over, right? Done. So if you're listening, This is not a one-off story. These are stories I can tell you for hours and days about every single salon I've ever stepped into and met people who, real professionals who say they can't raise their prices or I can't do this. We've never met a roadblock that we couldn't bulldoze and overcome. Never.
0: Absolutely. And, And it's, I think it's so important for, on that topic of raising prices, it's all about the delivery for both sides Um, you know so many I spend way too much time on Facebook because I have to for what I do but I go down these rabbit holes and I'm like this is not good for my health (laughs) so people are you know it's a a sticker on the mirror an email and a conversation it's like they want to throw a parade when they raise their price and I'm like oh no 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 I used to pull out my laptop And it would be a Sunday afternoon and I'd be like, you know what? When's the last time I raised my prices? We're really busy. We have a wait list. We're jam packed. It's time. And I would literally click, 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 click all the way down. And the people would come in the next day. I didn't even warn the staff. I was like completely extreme on the other end. And I'd be like, oh, by the way, your price went up in case anybody asked. And nobody, like they didn't know, the staff didn't know. And the clients never even asked because they never even noticed because to your point, We gave such service. We have beautiful, you know, China with cappuccino with the flavors from Starbucks. And, you know, we have a heated neck wrap that they put around their neck when it's cold out and they're having a a color service and where they're getting an aromatherapy thing. And we do, everything is upscale. And they're having such a great, we didn't give them any reason to question the price. I think when people question the price, something was missing in that experience.
1: The value was not there. The moment that they realize that, that they believe the value isn't there, uh, then they're going to ask you about the price. And uh, the, the perception of value is so key. And it's all in how you deliver it. You're absolutely right. Uh, we had a slightly different process with how we did that. Um, but the core of what you said remains to be true. And that is the service excellence and the value that we bring to the table from the concept. First of all, from the greeting and the offer of your favorite beverage to the consultation. And then what goes into the the service and the education that is delivered during the service uh, and uh, the call to action that happens after the service uh, is just all key to the value that's that's brought to the table. So uh, I I would suggest that any beauty professional, whether you're seasoned or you're a newbie, uh, reconnect with that whole service excellence idea and understand that it's not a gimmick and that you must somehow adopt a proven process and you know practice it over and over again.
0: I like that you brought up consultation too because I'm a big proponent of taking more time on the front end than the cleanup on aisle 6 back end. You know, people <laughs> rush through the consultation, especially with color, there's a lot of assumption going on by the person behind the chair where they're like, oh, I think that she definitely wants what she already has. And she she's mixing her color before she even walks in the door and not giving her a choice. And then doing something new, better, different, but not having the conversation before the process saying, this is going to be an extra cost of this. Is that okay? Yep. Because the client will pay it because she's embarrassed to question it, but she won't come back. She won't come back. she gets that sticker shock at the end and you're like, oh, well she paid it and I'm gonna do it to the next one and the next one. I've seen that so often in the industry and these stylists, to your point, they may be a six figure stylist and they may have big gross sales coming in, but the retention is not there. And the salon owner, I know from experience is exhausted. I always say, I uh, I say it's like a boat with a hole in it. It's like, I'm giving you a client, you're charging a high ticket, she's leaving. I give you another client, you charge a higher ticket, she's bucket. leaving. They're like giving these prices that it's like, I don't care if she comes back, I'm going for the big win right now, but That's it's short sighted. Pay. Yeah, totally short, short sighted.
1: That, that, that gets you nowhere fast. And, and, and it leads you very quickly down the rabbit hole of burn it, you know? Uh, it's burnout. It's every time you have to do a new relationship and a new, you know, redo the spiel. How, how long does it take for you as a, as a beauty professional in that situation anyway to start to feel really empty? You know, because you're not making connections. Uh, you're not building relationships. You're not having anything lasting any amount of time. And you're certainly not building credibility. Uh, and at some point in your, in your career, your whole uh, client, getting a system is all about referrals. You know, where you're, you're that busy that you can only take referrals. You can't even give me a walk-in. That's when you know you have a career that's built in this business where you don't even bother looking at me for walk-ins because the referrals I'm getting from my clients right now are more than I can stand. I'm good. You know, uh, when you get to that point, now you can talk to me. Uh, so, and, I, and I've worked with several uh, beauty professionals that had the blessing of having that kind of career where they could refuse walk-ins because the referrals they were getting were crazy and they were just that busy and in demand. And their clients were all happy people that gladly paid them for the services that they provide. Um, I've even seen a couple of situations where clients would apologize because they can no longer afford a service because something happened in their life that changed. And they didn't even have the, they didn't have the audacity to actually ask the stylist to charge them less. They simply said they can't afford it anymore. They didn't, they didn't even, that's how much they res, That's the value. That's how much they respected the stylist that they didn't even say, can you lessen your price for me? I love that. You know? So that's been pretty cool to watch uh, with some of the students that I've had over the years. Yeah.
0: Now I love that you just shared that you were able to successfully sell a salon. So now I know two people in 34 years who have successfully sold a salon speak to the listeners that may be feeling like I felt all those years ago where it's like, there's no end in sight. You're responsible for all these people. You don't want to take down the whole boat with you. You just want to go away and leave them all happy. I, in retrospect, I think that the exit strategy should be a long-term thing and that you should start the ball rolling way before you're ready. Mm -hmm. So how would you advise people that may not be feeling burned out right now, but whatever their age is or however many years they've been doing it. I was 30 years an owner when I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot take another minute. Um, Some people, they might get there in seven years, they might get there in 10 years, they might never get there and they might just die instead of retiring. But for someone who wants to be on the ball and prepared, how, like knowing that you went through this and that you had success, what would you tell someone moving forward how to prepare for that?
1: Well, you know this this would probably be a much longer conversation. I invite anybody to uh, reach out to me if they want to get an in depth uh, consultation on this because I've done it uh, more. I've done it more than once successfully, once for myself and my lady, but I've helped other. Uh, salon owners do the same thing. But here's a simple formula. First question you have to ask yourself, and by the way, you have to be ready to be brutally honest with yourself. The question I have for you, the first question you have to answer is, would you want to buy your own salon if you're in the market for buying a salon? Would you buy your own salon? Exactly as it is, exactly the same people in it, exactly what's going on, would you buy? If the answer is no, then you have a whole lot of work to do because you have to turn your salon into something that you would want to buy. The second thing, second question, if the answer is yes. And the second question is, what are you selling? Okay. Oh, Dean, I'm selling a salon. No, you're not selling a salon. What are you selling? So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Here's what we sold in our salon. We sold a proven system that created no less than half a dozen six-figure stylists in 17 years of existence. That's what we're selling. See that? Not just selling We're And and, and this is from one of the most successful multi-million dollar salons in Southwest Florida. When somebody hears that and they know they're gonna get that system that we use, and and this is a true system that we use to create these six-figure stylists. So in 17 years, summer between a half because my lady in that world was together four years that I owned it with her uh, but um, and I don't know can we say names on here like things that we've been through so she, she's, yeah, a, yeah. she's a summit song so she came through the summit you know and then of course when we met I added my, my, my assistant on top of that the bottom line is that business created over a half a dozen legitimately six figure stylists uh, before tips. Before tips, this is straight commission. So ask yourself what are you selling? Are you selling an amazing drama free culture? You know, are you selling a salon that is inviting to young moms? Right? You've got to decide what value you're selling. What is it that you're selling in your salon? And it doesn't have to be one thing because we were selling a salon that had a proven system that created six figure stylists. We're selling a salon that had an amazing culture because we had a proven system for coaching and training that they that they mentioned before. And we were also selling the connections to world-class training that we've been able to amass over the years of the business being in business. So those are the three top things that we were selling. And again, the big staple is have has been uh, one of the top multimillionaire salons in southwest florida so so that's the second thing you ask yourself is what are you selling the third thing you have to ask yourself is do you have enough money in the bank right now to sell this outright meaning do you want to have shareholders or do you want to sell it outright because here's 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 a question after this one what's your next move what's your next move where are you going what are you going to be doing you know is this selling and i'm retiring i mean are your bank accounts are your accounts set up for that because if you do that and you, and you sell your business and then you have no other means of income, you put yourself in a lot of trouble. So, you know, you, and, and the reason this is important is because you got to take steps to talk to people. So as good as I am with, you know, connecting with people and coaching and training, we talk to a, a, a business um, uh, consultant. We talk to a, uh, an investment consultant and all that stuff, you know, and, and walk through the process of what we're selling, how we're selling, why we're selling, what we're going to do next and everything like that. Uh, and it just so happens that my lady had all her ducks in a row. Cause she's, she's that kind of person. She's fucking brilliant. That's uh, okay. Yeah. That's
0: okay. Yeah. Edit this that. is my edit. podcasting. Don't apologize. Yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to edit that.
1: But, but the bottom line is you, you don't do this alone and you need to talk to different people, but it depends on your situation. So what I would here. So here's what I want your listeners to, to really understand. Number one, yes, it's possible. We did it during COVID. Uh, Okay, so it's possible to sell your salon successfully and at a profit depending on what it looks like right now. So there is hope for you if you want an exit strategy. Number two, even if you've been doing this, even for 30 years, as Elaine just said, uh, she was a 30-year owner before. Even if you've been doing it for 30 years and you didn't plan one thing yet, guess what? It's still possible if you make the right decisions, the right moves and talk to the right people to walk you through the process and help you do that. It's still possible. So your exit strategy is literally possible at any time in your business. Some, yeah, it will be harder than others or just a different path than others, but it definitely is possible. And it's a question of how you set that up. So don't try to do this cookie cutter where you think one size fits all. It doesn't. But the questions you ask yourself are all the same. You know, will you buy, would you buy your salon right now? And if not, uh, what do you got to do to fix it to make sure it's something that you want to buy? Figure out what you're actually selling. I would say the top three things that you're selling that other people want. That solves problems. Like, you know, if you have a training and coaching program that creates six figure stylists, new owners want that. You know, if you've got a drama free culture uh, in your salon and low turnover, a new owner wants that. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you have world class education coming in that's really at no cost to the salon owner because of the brands that you have in your salon and, and, and the connections you've built, yeah. New owners want that. So you've got to come up with those top three values that you're selling that a new owner would want, because right away out of the gate, we saw three of the biggest problems in, salon, in, in, in owning a salon right there. You know, Maybe you have a salon. Oh, here's a good one. Maybe, you ha- maybe you've run a salon for years on a system of minimizing waste. Now, Elaine, as a salon owner, tell me how much you hate color waste.
0: Oh, we solved it finally. We got the VISH system after right. all these years. Best right. thing we ever did.
1: Right, but but that's a huge. I mean, huge I, I told you come out of you that you're probably leaving ten or fifteen grand on a table just from colorways. So people tossing color down the drain
0: easily. You know?
1: So uh, if you have a salon that runs as efficient as possible, where every dollar is accounted for and the profitability is up, and you can give a person that blueprint, salon owners want that. You know, hell, if you have a staff meeting blueprint which i do have if you have a staff meeting blueprint that creates engagement and minimizes the meeting after the meeting in the back room new owners want that too mm-hmm. so you just got to figure out what you actually sell you know I love that.
0: you break okay. everything down so simply yeah <laughs> So tell our listeners how they can get more of, I wish they could see how handsome you are. This is a podcast. So you're at a little bit of a disadvantage, but he is very easy on the eye folks. And, uh, his discipline for, for impact is in his physique too. He's, he's very in shape, very healthy, lives a a very good life, um, Takes care, right. good care of himself. So tell people how they can get in touch with you if they are struggling and need some coaching and need a good right. kick in the ass, Dean.
1: So the way you guys can get in touch with me is very simple, nothing complicated. Honestly, send me a DM on Facebook and a friend request. That's it. It's Dean Forbes. You can find me on Facebook. You know, I'm, I'm an impact coach. I've been given lots of names over the years. I finally decided that I'm an impact coach. And all that really means is that, you know, if you have... If you have to deal with clients in a salon where you have, you know, many clients you already have a warm audience, I help you create a 50% more profitability in your selling to those people. Because if you have a warm audience, you've got to be able to connect to them. You got to be able to command some authority that is authentic and you have to be able to get them to commit through inspiring the fire in them to actually want to spend money with you. You want to learn how to do that. And, you know, again, have a 50% close rate or more on your warm clients. your guy dm me send me a facebook request uh when you dm me make sure you tell me that elaine sent you because that gets you right into the inner circle immediately (laughs) So there you go
0: awesome thank you so much dean and everyone i hope that you'll reach out to dean and uh see what he can do to put that fire under you that we all so much need after this COVID experience more now than ever. So thank you for taking this time, Dean, for the interview. I so appreciate you. And thank Thank you you, everybody for listening. listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.